0: Brandon Williams. What up, bro? Not much,
1: man. Just living life. Trying to uh, stay quarantined like everybody else.
0: Yeah, man. How are you? You good? You look good.
1: I uh, I can't complain too much, man. Life has been uh, pretty good to me, so I'm blessed and highly favored, bro.
0: So I started off beat up. So (laughs) explain to us, why do I say beat up like that?
1: Uh, I got the nickname in college, um, I don't know who originally gave me the name. I think it was a combination of like Hank Potee and uh, Juan Gibson, I think. But uh, there was a running back before I came in named Billy West. Of course, I came in at running back too. And they said I kind of looked like B-Dub bull So that's why I think it was, you know, Hank, that was kind of the way he talked. So I think that's where it came from. And so uh, since Billy West, b w., that was his name, Brandon Williams, same initials, same position, similar to Bill. It just sucked and so beat
0: up came uh, came with it, man. Ever since. Awesome. And so so that's good information. But do you remember why I say it in that tone? The beat
1: up. Oh yeah. yeah Yeah, there was a girl that had pit uh I don't know what her last name it was, Veronica. Yeah, but she always had inflection on it every time. Everybody else would just say, Yo, beat up. But she would shout me out like beat up like just to tell like right. who was calling so yeah.
0: It was hilarious. Hilarious.
1: I think. I I, yeah, I don't know what happened to
0: her. Yeah, I think she's doing well because the other Veronica, uh, uh, Macbeth, well, Perry at the time, she still stayed connected. So I believe asking her about that. So she's yeah. she's doing well. She's doing well. But yeah, yeah. I mean, as she she probably has no idea. Like she's had uh, a lasting impression because you my brother, you my guy, and I stay saying beat up. <laughs> so shout out to yeah. to the uh, Veronica. So. So, we've been quarantined for some, t- some time now. How are you adjusting to it?
1: Uh, it's been an adjustment, man. So, I work full-time. You know, I manage the team here at uh, my job in San Antonio. And um, the biggest challenge has been not so much working from home. Uh, technology-wise, I got that set up. Uh, monitors, you know, have my um, all my computer equipment set up. It's mainly like my kids are here. So, I have a four-year-old and an 18-month-old. And so, just having them home um, while my wife and I try to do the work thing and Nourish them at the same time. That's been the biggest challenge so far. So you see, you know, my son comes in I'm knocking on my office door that I'm in now. it's like, hey, daddy, daddy, you know. it's like, hey, buddy, I'm doing a presentation. I want to, like, come back in about an hour, you know. And just, you know, keep doing that over and over again. You start to get a little bit. So I took a day off last week just to kind of spend some time with the kids because I had been, I felt like I was neglecting them. So I so think, yeah, me and a bunch of other million of other parents are in the same boat, man. Right. trying to be a full-time job. You know, a, a boss, a parent, school teacher, principal, everything all rolled into one man. So it's been, a, it's been a journey so far, for sure. But it's been rewarding that, you know, I get to spend more time with the kids than I had been you know, during the day when I would be in the office. So um, wasn't them, it wasn't constant with it, man. But it sugar and salt.
0: Okay. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So we're going to start off a little warm-up questions or stretch. You know, being a former athlete, you know the important of warm yeah. up and stretching. And so I need you to make a decision. You're a decision maker. Make a decision. No straddling the fence. So for a season at running back, who you taking, Bo Jackson or Walter Payton?
1: I got to go with Bo Jackson. Um, okay. But the thing with Bo is he never he didn't play long enough, and he split time with Marcus Allen, so he was already there with a great running back. But I think the legend of Bo, like, overpowers even though Walter had the stats and the longevity and the awards. Bo Jackson always has that asterisk into he was a phenomenal athlete. And it's like if he had his own time and he was the main running back, like what he could have been. So we never know. But based on the small sample size, it's like Bo Jackson. Who didn't have the Bo Jackson car where he had the baseball over his shoulder pads doing a dual sport thing. So the whole Bo and O's commercial. So it was a different timing, man. So maybe it's a little bit of the, the marketing behind him too. But I definitely would got to say Bo Jackson.
0: And so we're from the same era. And so, same question, Bo Jackson and Walter Payton. Techmo Bowl. Are you still sticking with Bo? Got
1: to be Bo, man. I mean, <laughs> Tec- Tecmo Bowl. You, know, they're only, you had Bo Jackson. You had uh, what, Kevin Mack, who was just Cleveland. Shout yeah, out to Cleveland. Cleveland, OH. You couldn't stop. Um, who else? Payton. Well, Pay- Payton was on there. You got to go, I mean, Bo Jackson. The Raiders with the... Uh, uh, whatever the, the nose guard was that would blitz you every time. Like, yeah, you got to go to the, go the Raiders.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Got another warm-up question for you. If you had to teach a class on one thing, what would you teach?
1: Um, it has to be financial education, like, just financial literacy, personal finance. I mean, I think um, something I kind of fell into through my education, but it's one of those things, man, where everybody is going to touch on it no matter where you are in life. And I mean, especially in this season we are now where we see the impacts from coronavirus and how that's impacting people's lives, Then, But whether you're a doctor all the way down to, you know, whatever your mechanic, whatever you're doing, you know, like everybody's gonna touch finance and have to manage whatever they got and manage it well. And it's one of those things where, um, you know, education-wise they underprepare us for that, I think. And so we learn about, you know, hey, in college we got rocks for jocks, right? You got geology, you got, you know, history of jazz, but then nobody really focuses on how do I get a loan?
0: Right, you know? that's a great how point.
1: Important? How important is my credit <laughs> score, right? Do I need to have an adequate savings amount? How do I do that? How do I not spend everything that I have? What is life insurance? All those fundamental things, man, that are really impactful for next generation trying to leave a legacy.
0: That's a great point. Man, thousands and thousands of students took that class, History of Jazz at Pitt. <laughs> it would be great, like history of of finance. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, right. That's a great comparison. Right. So those pit folks are listening; they can really appreciate that analogy. Got another one for you, B Dub. One of the things that we connect with is music. Jodeci or One Twelve. You are going to listen to one of those artists for the remainder of the year? Jodeci or One Twelve? Whose catalog? Who are you going with?
1: I gotta go with Jodeci, man. I, I remember—I um, don't know how old I was, but it was that forever my lady? The first, the first joint. It was, a, it was a seat. It was a cassette tape that I had. And I didn't even have the cassette with the auto rewind, so I had the cassette player. We had to flip it to the other side and hit fast forward. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if anybody remember that. Just to rewind it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> then what I remember about R and B was the slow songs were good, but the fast songs were kind of. I mean, not, not really. You didn't want really to listen to those. So the first first half of the album was great. We were going on a road trip to Philly, I believe. So Pittsburgh to Philly, four and a half hours, roughly. And I should remember that was like the only cassette tape that I had. And I just kept playing that first that first side of the album, like, on repeat, like the whole way to Philly. So I got I, I to gotta go with Jodeci, man.
0: Jodeci. With Jodeci. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's no uh, wrong answer for that one. But I'm about to follow your lead, bro. I'm going Jodeci with that. Nostalgia state yeah. So, you, you mentioned a little bit You mentioned in Pittsburgh So talk about, you know, your early beginnings Your hometown, family Take it from there
1: Yeah, man, so uh, Little small town, McKensington Slash Arnold, um, Pennsylvania It's about 25 minutes Away from downtown Pittsburgh on Route 28, if anybody out there knows what that is uh, For y'all with money It's a little bit past Fox Chapel So Kensington isn't as affluent as Fox Chapel But um, so yeah, man, so I came up there, um, my grandparents are from there, uh, my mom's from there, uh, product of, of a single parent household, um, just came up, uh, I was always kind of, you know, I athletic kid in school, you know, when little kids are going, you'd have the little playground races, see who's the fastest, you know, so, <laughs> I always, and so my, my friends would just say, hey man, you know, we got this little football league, our uh, camp, football, you should come out, I, all right, yeah, yeah, let's see, man. And so as it turned out, a buddy of mine went on, his family went on vacation, first week of practice. So I'm the new guy, he had played the season before, he was running back. So he goes on vacation, I come out, coaches don't know me from anything, so they're trying to figure out, you know, what should this guy play? So we're running, like this one's fast. Long story short, I ended up being a starting running back. My buddy comes back from vacation, he's like, man, you took my spot. I was the whole beginning of me being a running back because mainly because my buddy was on vacation and I was
0: like the fastest kid out there that's hilarious it kind of reminded me of the the classic movie Friday you got fired on your day off so he <laughs> yeah. he was off his vacation come back and his, his yeah. homeboy then took his spot all
1: right continue yeah and he'd always remind me about it too as we you know as we progressed on then he was playing more like line as we got older but he'd always remind me like Man, the only reason you're even a running back now is because I was on vacation, you know, during that one week. But, um, but yeah, man. So grow up, playing football, uh, baseball, uh, all year round. Played a little bit of basketball, but honestly, man, that was by far my my worst sport out of the main three.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I, I can attest to that. I remember you playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> you make you every once in a while you hit a three though. Yeah. Hey,
1: you know, everybody out there watching the last dance. I was more like a Rob. Man, I knew my role. I was <laughs> You know what I mean? I'll set a high screen, <laughs> pick a role, get a layup, but I'm not going to be out there shooting three-pointers when I know that's not my game.
0: Fair you know? enough. I respect <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs> I respect it.
1: My skills. But, um, but, yeah, man, so grew up there, you know, went to high school, um, ended up, you know, becoming a starter uh, my, my junior year. Um, Things just kind of skyrocketed after that. And then, um, you know, got a bunch of scholarships after my – during my sophomore year, I mean my junior year rather, and then my senior year, and ended up uh, getting to know you, man. Spending some time
0: with you. How about that? And so before before we go to that, let's talk about the recruiting process. I mean, you you undersold yourself right now, but you were one of the top running backs in the nation uh, during that time. So talk about the recruiting process and some of the the schools that you were uh, considering attending.
1: Yeah, um there's a weird thing, man. Like I, I literally grew up playing football just because my friends played. Like I just told him that story. And I never really had a vision of like going to the league or even going to college with, with my talent. It was just, I played with my friends, we all played. And you know, I was the, maybe the best player on the team. And that was it, man. And then my sophomore year, um, I was backing up another dude who was running back at that time and uh, you know, um, he was a senior. So coach was trying to get him a look in school. Um, I was a backup, and so um, I didn't get a lot of playing time my sophomore year, although I probably should have, but um, <laughs> my year came along, and then, um, you know, first week, I don't even know what the stats were, man, but I ran off maybe two-something the first week. Wow. Uh, maybe four or five touchdowns or something. It again the second week, I think, after my second week was when I got a, an offer from Pitt. So this is pretty much two games of me starting. I got an offer from Pitt. I think by the third or fourth week, I had a scholarship offer from Penn State. And after that, man, it just kept rolling my stats. I don't know what I had that year, like close to 2,000 yards rushing or something wow. like that. I don't know, 30, 40-something touchdowns. And so then I put me on the radar. So, you know, man, in, in, in high school football, there's only a few hot pockets in the whole U.S. So you got, you know, U.O.H. 10 Ohio is known for a lot, having a lot of ballers. In PA, it's mainly the, the, the West PA, so Pittsburgh up to Erie, and then Texas, California, stuff like that. So right. if you kind of blow up in Western PA, it kind of puts you on a map nationwide. Right. So it happened, man, and then um, flashing forward to my senior year. Um, and so flashing forward to senior year, man, um, you know, I did the same thing. So now I was on the radar. Um, a lot of schools were looking at me. Um, it had obviously started paying a lot of attention to local kid. They would come down to the games and whatnot. And I got all these letters from everywhere. So talking about schools, it came down to be like pretty much everybody in the Big East back then, the old Big East, which is now like half of the new ACC. Um, everybody in the Big Ten. So Penn State, uh, Joe Paterno like came down to my high school. I was playing a you know, basketball game in my gym class. Doors open up to the gym. My coach comes in with Paterno. And a couple other assistant coaches, um, they couldn't talk to me at the time because it was that recruiting period. They couldn't engage you, but they sat in the stands just watched. You. Man, you never saw so many kids who couldn't dunk try to dunk on that day. Everybody kind of values. Like they were out there trying to get a basketball scholarship or something, man. But,
0: uh, the question, the question. So so did you stop playing basketball? Because there's a chance you could embarrass yourself if you continue to play in front of Joe <laughs> <trouble. laughs>
1: Like I said, I play, I play them myself. There so. it is. <laughs> my screens i wasn't shooting any threes i knew what they, were. they weren't there for my basketball skills right so I was criticism blocking shots, getting rebounds man so i stayed in my lanes. So there it is
0: lane. there it is
1: but um but yeah so i took my official visits ended up being um syracuse um pit was an unofficial visit because it was so close i just took you know a day off and kind of came down um penn state was kind of the same vibe i didn't make an official i went up there for a couple games um, I went to uh, Ohio State. Um, where else did I go? Uh, UCLA and I'm missing. Oh, and Notre Dame. So mm-hmm. those were. The, I took four out of the five. I uh, probably should have found the fifth school to make you know get that free trip. But, right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so those are four official visits, then sort of two unofficial visits. Yeah, man. Like you said, I mean, like I played just for the fun of it, man. And then picking up some magazines back then. If you're even still around these Athlon, including magazines and whatnot. Um, you know some of them had me ranked in there in the top ten in the country is um, it it's never really I never really thought about it, man, to be honest with you, because I just played for fun i didn 't really think about it much until it became you know closer to being a reality, and I realized like hey you know i 'm a product of a single parent household, my family doesn 't have the money to really send me to any school I want to go to. Mm-hmm. this is my ticket to get a free education, you know, and that 's what I was focused on and so that's what kind of happened, man. So yeah, went through the recruiting process. It was it was fun, man. You got to see some, you know, paternal walking into your high school. How many people have that story? Um, being from Western PA, going out to UCLA in the middle of February with palm trees, man. Yeah. I almost signed on i was the, about to say. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you stepped off the
0: plane, what? <laughs>
1: almost signed on the line, man. I was like, yo, I mean, you're hanging out with, uh, you're seeing Baron Davis, who was big in college basketball at that time, at a at the house party. You're like, man, this is like movie star stuff out here. But um, yeah, man. the recruiting process was pretty cool. It's
0: pretty cool. And so you decided to go to Pitt. How was it going to a school that was about what forty five minutes from your hometown? How yeah, was 25, that? Yeah. The 25, 25 minutes, even closer. So how how, how was that? Was was it a, was it a, a benefit? Was it like oh, I'm too close to home? Talk about that distance.
1: Yeah, I think um, honestly, I, like Pitt wasn't on my radar. I mean. At the time, if you go back and trace it, I think my junior year when I was going to the big games, I remember I went to a game they played Ohio State. I think Eddie Jordan was on was on Ohio State there. Man, I think that score was like 72 to nothing when I went to that game.
0: It's, 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 it is it's so funny that you brought that up. I recently had a podcast episode with our former coach, Walt Harris. He brought that up because he was on the coaching staff of Ohio State. Mm. Uh, during that year, and yeah. our former teammate Kevin Barlow also brought that up. So that game is forever <laughs> <laughs> ingrained in a lot of pit people's yeah. Um, memories.
1: Yeah, and so I mean, Pitt obviously has a, a story going back, but they were in this period where I mean, they were just the program was just terrible. Man, I mean, there's no way around that. And I remember going to that game and thinking, "There's no way, I'm go- there's no way I'm going to Pit, man." I'm like, I got no Dame, you know who. Bob Davy was was the coach then. So Lou Holtz had already left. I got to Ohio State and getting letters from Michigan and all these sort of grade A schools, tier one schools. There's no way I'm going to pit. And I kinda of told myself, but the only way I would even consider pit is if they go to a bowl game. They gotta to go to a bowl game, which, you know, based on the history, it was like impossible that they would even be going to a bowl game the next season. Right. So I kind of set my standard in line with like, I want to go somewhere where they got a winning, you know, a winning record or a winning team. Um, so yeah, so um, I ended up at Pitt, um, mainly because as, after I, my family came to all my games. So that was important for me to kind of have my family there. And like I said, I went to UCLA, I went to Notre Dame. My family left it up to me to kind of make the choice of wherever I wanted to go. Cause you know, my grandfather said, look, you're the one that has to go there, not us. You know, you're the one who has to get the education. You're gonna live with the choice you make. You know, we raise you well, you know, make your own decision and we'll support whatever it is. I think in their hearts, they kind of wanted me to go to Notre Dame because they got the big marketing machine behind them, man. They are they got their own B contract. Everybody knows Notre Dame. Right. Uh, I personally was leaning towards UCLA because as a young kid, I'm like, man, it's nice weather out here. UCLA at the time was pretty good. They had Cade um, McNown, I think, had just left. They had a running back. I um, can't remember his name. That
0: was the quarterback, right?
1: Yeah, he was a quarterback. Yep. The season before, they got they were like number two in the nation and lost like the last game of the season. So they were already like better than USC at that point in time. So I came down to like UCLA, um, Notre Dame and Ohio state. And then I, I remember I didn't pick Ohio state, man. I went on a recruiting trip and I don't know if you remember this guy named Jonathan Wells. I do. He I do. He ended up going to the league. I went there on my visit with him, man. Dude was about six, four. I don't know how much he weighed, but I should remember, Hey man, like what position do you play? He's like, Running back,
0: I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking up, right? <laughs> I, was like, I
1: was like, you play what? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not that small of a guy. Right, like, not
0: at all. You
1: running back? Oh, man, like, wait a minute, you know. And then Ohio State was cool. So I really liked Ohio State. Reminded me, Columbus reminded me of Pittsburgh. And so um, Pitt ended up going to a ball game that year. Pistol P, um, you know, the squad back then went to the Liberty Bowl and they won. So that's what kind of, you know, I drew that line in the sand and then carried it. Your Pitt is going to the bowl game. So that's how it came to my, my radar. And at the end, it came down to like, you know, UCLA, the closest game they played to Pittsburgh in the four year schedule was going to be one game in Michigan. And so I was like, my family's never going to see me play there. Mm. Ohio State, it's doable. You know, three hours away, my family can drive. We can make that work. At the time, you know, Pitt won. Um, you know, um, I saw an opportunity to go in there and play right away. It was a fresh opportunity, like hey, we're the underdog, you know, go in there, make a mark, help the team, you know, bring bring some glory back to the city, help turn the program around. I thought that was a good story, and at the time, I just thought it was a good move for me. Um, I like the school as far as education was, was based. Um, so yeah, I just made the choice and came to Pitt, man.
0: Awesome, and so speak to some of your fondest memories at Pitt. Let's let's start with on the field. I mean, so you decided to go to Pitt. You are actually the first freshman running back to start since the legendary Hall of Famer Tony Dorsett. And so, when you think about an on-the-field moment, whether it's a team victory or what have you, like what stands out to you?
1: Um, I remember the first game. I think it was against, if I remember correctly, Villanova. I think might have been the first game of the season that year. Um, I remember going out on the field and. Just maybe um, I mean, an average game. And quite honestly, man, our team wasn't that great that year. I mean, I think our record might have been two and nine or yeah.
0: something. Yeah, it was.
1: Um, so it was a long distance from, you know, it kind of reminded me a bit of being up in the stands with the 72 nothing, except we never lost that bad. But we were competitive, but we could never quite get over the hurdle in a lot of those games. And so I remember just playing in the game and just, you know, hearing the, the, the stands and the crowd, it's a lot bigger than high school and just kind of being there. I played on that Astro Turf field. Um, all those things I remember, I think probably my, my some of my most vivid memories are going to be, uh, Notre Dame just being there when we won that game. I think it was our, our second year there.
0: Yeah. Last um, game at Pitt stadium.
1: The stadium. Yeah. Uh, last game at Pitt stadium, everybody rushing the field, um, tearing down the goalposts. I remember that well. Um, and then honestly, I think probably one of the most vivid things I remember, man, is this, this little, this little moment where, you know, um, for those who don't know, so I came in at running back and then I started my freshman year. Shout out to Kevin Barlow, we split time. And then my sophomore year, I got hurt. So I didn't play like hardly at all my sophomore year. I played special teams. Um, won't go into details there. Junior season, I made a choice to switch over to defense. So I started on defense, a weak side linebacker. Shout out to Ryan Bynakie and the rest of G. Hayes and the rest of the linebackers out there. Shout out. Um, played there in my last few years, man. But running back, quite honestly, was my natural position. And so um, I remember the last game we, I played, it was the, um, the Tangerine Bowl, man, down in uh, Orlando. Um, we played at NC State, Phillip Rivers. And, and we won that game, and it was, you know, the end of my career. And you know, I was running back. I was like, look, man, I'm focused on school. I'm going to go, you know, career and do something after this. And, uh, yeah, I never even told you about this, man. And so um, after the game, you know, everybody's rushing the field. We won. And uh, Coach Brookhart, um, J.D. Brookhart, I think he was the receivers coach. Receivers at that coach, time, right. Um, came up to me, man. He just, you know, gave me a hug. And I'll never forget what he said in my ear. He was like, um, you know, you, you started this, you know? And I was like, what do you mean? And as I played it back at that time, Pitt wasn't getting any, Pitt wasn't getting the best players in Pittsburgh at the time. I don't know when the best player, you know, notoriety-wise they had gotten before me. But after me, like Rob Rutherford came. Uh, you know, Rob Butler started coming, right. a bunch of other top-tier Osaka, Lusaka,
0: Shante, yeah. Lusaka,
1: Tyler Pelko, you know, and expanded, like, your recruiting base. I didn't really think of it at that time. These are just new guys coming in the door, but it always stuck with me, man, that, like, you know, even though kind of the hype that I came in with didn't really come out as far as me being a running back, going to the league, sort the story, but that, like, he recognized that I had some sort of impact in just my decision when coming to Pitt kind of change the direction of where the program was headed. And at at that
0: moment, just always stuck with me. That's cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I I wasn't aware of that. That's the first time hearing that one. So that's the athlete side. Let's talk about the student side. Who was your major? Uh,
1: My major was a, a double major in finance and communications.
0: And so how were you able to manage your student athlete, the student side of being a student athlete?
1: Um, I think, one, I, I was already a good student coming into college, so I think that helped me out a little bit. So I had a little standard set for myself to kind of be, you know, AB student. Um, but also, looking back on it, there was a lot of structure at Pitt. Now, I can't compare it to other schools and how they were set up. But we had a lot of structure. So we had, um, you know, a uh, study table with uh, Jam McMan- McManus and uh, what was the other guy's name? Um, Mike Fairbaugh, Fairball.
0: Fairball. Fairball. Right? Yeah.
1: I'm still in around the program, but shout out to to Jan and Mike.
0: Mike's still there. Freshman. Jan's retired.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But as a freshman, you remember you came in and you had to get so many study hours per week. So there was already the structure that was there that if you could buy into it, you'd already get off on a running start with your with your with your education, and they would provide tutors if you needed support. So we had all these mechanisms in place to help you be like a, a good student and a good student athlete as well. So I just jumped in. You know, got my mandatory hours. I did well in my classes, so it wasn't that big of a deal for me because it was already structured. You go to practice, you lift, you eat, you go you go to study hall, and I mean that was it. So I took advantage of the structure that was there and just you know did the work, man. Put in the time. That's that's all it is. Um, and then I switched. I think my sophomore year I was I came in communications. Um, my thought was, you know, in high school I did pretty well in all my classes. Had no idea what I really loved, and I just remember a, um, my English teacher in maybe tenth grade said. You know, this is back in the days where you would read a passage, and everybody in the classroom would read a paragraph. Right, right, you know? right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because gonna read ahead, like I'm second person. What, what paragraph do I have? You know, let me go ahead. Any hard words, this paragraph? Let,
0: let me let get it together. You don't remember anything that happened before, but that <laughs> seventh paragraph will be right and ready.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so I remember her saying, um "You know, I had a nice speaking voice," and she's like, "Hey, you should think about doing broadcast journalism." So. Coming in, I was like, well, I don't know what I really love, so let me take communications and do broadcast journalism like this teacher had told me. So came in as a communications major. And then um, what I realized, man, I had an epiphany one day. I'm watching you know, Monday Night Football, and um, John Madden was on there. And he had been on Monday Night Football for decades, probably at this point in time. You know, that's like the, the pinnacle of a, a football player slash announcer's career is to be that in that booth on Monday Night Football. I remember thinking, man, he—he's never going to leave this job. He's been there for for how long? Like, what's I, it's going to be so hard for me to get a shot because once people get the job, they don't leave the job. Right. And so I was talking to my uncle, um, who's a doctor, and he said, you know, hey man, you know, you go with numbers. Everybody's always going to need money. Money's always going to be around. Why don't you you know do something in finance? And so you know, I, I went and talked to one of the counselors and said, hey, you know, I want to change my major, but um, as a way the math worked out. I could still do a, a dual major and pick up key, the communications degree I would started my freshman year and still leave with two degrees. So I, I did math, did that, and switched over and kind of did both degrees, man. So for me, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, quite honestly, um, you know, but a bit of reality, like my sophomore year, as I mentioned, I didn't play in football. So when honestly, man, I was in the funk a little bit, like, do I leave to school? Where do I go? Um, and one thing I realized was, um, you know, but there's this unspoken hierarchy in, in college football, right? So at the time, as I mentioned, Pitt was kind of coming out of what we we'll call a dark age. So I, you couldn't not ball out at Pitt and go to Notre Dame. right? Go to Ohio State after that, you know. It was, you know, you're either going to make a lateral move to another school like um, Rutgers, but they're in our division, but like a Rutgers-type school. Or you're going to go down to D1, a AA, Youngstown State or something like that. And So I would just, you know, in my mind, like what do I you know, I'm not playing. Like, what am I doing here? And so I, I fell into a, 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 a bit of a rut my sophomore year, man. I wasn't going to class. You know, this stuff, that, that wasn't me. So I remember um, after that first semester of fall season, I had to go to study hall. And so, you know, you only had to go to study hall freshman year. After that, it was all optional right. based on what the grades were. And I remember going, you know, my grade fell below whatever that threshold was. And I had to wake up at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. And early, study
0: early school. morning. And
1: and I was sitting there, and I remember walking in, and, and people were like, what are you doing in here, man? <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly.
1: Oh, <laughs> like, yo, what are you doing in here? Like, you're not supposed to be in here. You know, and so after I got my football mind right and talked to Coach Corey at the time and said, look, I want to come play defense and just put a nail on the coffin, let's do this thing. Then I refocused back to my education, we got everything back in line. So, you know, it is a story of, um, you know, you can start off fast, you know, you can have a, a rut, but you can still bounce back. But you've got to put it in time, man you got to have focus and just take advantage of the resources that are available to you. I thought they had a good, good program for providing the resource. Like I said, tutors, uh, study hall people, they had it well-scheduled. I think Penny's what they had nowadays, right? And so, um.
0: The life skills.
1: Yeah, the life skills. So you just got to buy into the program and realize that you're not there just to play football. You know, that you know the numbers, man. Very few people make it to the league. A lot, a lot of us are going to have to leverage that degree that we get so how can we buy in and make sure that we leave there with the education especially if you're on a full scholarship it's free it's like a free ticket man so you can't start you're not going to come back to school and do it over again you know and pay for it yourself so you got to take advantage of why you got the opportunity
0: yeah yeah and i totally agree i mean the whole saying of being more than an athlete and taking advantage sure. of that platform and then also the resources and the relationships there because you know as we know yeah. relationships are are key and so, uh, for a significant period of time at Pitt, w- us being there together, we were roommates. So, I hope I don't get in trouble asking this question. But what's one of your fondest memories of being, uh, being uh, my roommate? Uh, I
1: remember we said, well, there's a couple. Of, and
0: actually, there's a lot, man. So, all, <laughs> Wait, okay, all right. <laughs> so don't take of all, it too far. So
1: first of all, anybody living in Pittsburgh, um, so we toured out Pitt Stadium, right? So, Pitt Stadium was gone. So, you don't practice in Oakland anymore. They're building the stadium downtown. You know, we're, we're going to be playing at Three Rivers. They built our practice facility on the South Side. You remember, at the time, nobody even knew where the South Side was. Right. And our practice facility was going to be over there. And I said, hey, man, the, I've been, I had a summer job over there. The south Side is you know, right down the street. We can get a better place for less money. If I recall, I think our rent was 650 for a townhouse, six feet plus utilities for a townhouse, right off of East Carson Street, like three blocks back, and so right off of the Birmingham Bridge. So today, that would be like a great location where everything is. But none of that was there back then. Right. Just, you know the bars and restaurants on East Carson Street. So we moved over there. So that's the backdrop. So as far as I know, we were probably the first athletes in Pitt history to ever live on the South Side of Pittsburgh. So I don't know what the numbers look like now. That's a that's trailblazer. That's a
0: great stat.
1: <laughs> you know, I remember when people would come over They'd be like, wait, how do you get to your house? And they'd come over like, man, this is nice over here Exactly I to talk about this. It was a little hidden gem Shout out to you But flashback to the, to the memories I'd say, um, one, I remember when we were leaving um, You know, we were like, alright We gotta have like a going out, going away party or We gotta do something, man, you know And so I remember, um, you know, we never made any noise when we were there But we knew it would be an issue You know, a lot of people showing up to the house late at night. South side of the streets are tight, so you're kind of, your neighbors across the street are like, it's an alleyway. So I remember writing letters, writing little notes to the neighbors and kind of saying, hey, you know, we're graduating, we're going to have a graduation party, Um, you know, apologize if it's loud, but, you know, you haven't heard any noise from us in the past two years, please just, you know, kind of roll with it for this night. And so... We dropped that letter off at a bunch of the doors around where we lived just to, just to kind of push any cops getting called exactly, no issues,
0: whatever. right?
1: Yeah, and so I remember we did that. We got a couple of letters back, I remember from some pit grads who were like, Hey, congratulations, blah blah blah. So that was pretty cool. That was we had cool. House party. And then, I don't. How many people think we had there? At least, we had to have at least a hundred people probably come in and out of our townhouse.
0: Yeah, they were coming in and out. They were coming in and out. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how we set it up. We had different lighties on the floor. That's when a color light were <laughs> a big deal. So one area was like yeah. red. The other area was we had blue. Like a stereo downstairs. Right. And then, um, so this, I
1: don't know if you remember this too. So a couple <laughs> of things about that. So yeah, so we had stereo downstairs then an upstairs part like the little lounge or whatever we had the different lighting going on it was slow lights, music black <laughs> lights yeah like a different music vibe going up there. the incense were gone so it was like yeah it was like a whole vibe man right so we were like some, some house party starters and plus nobody really knew about the south side so it was like a new thing like oh there's a party where's it at it's not on campus right oh everybody everybody came through so people outside inside that AC was working overtime, man, because so many people were packing, people <laughs> packing through our house. But uh, that's one of the things I remember. Um, another thing I remember, man, is remember. I think we had that, that, song, that Sega Dreamcast.
0: Oh yes.
1: And, uh, NBA. Two okay, K.
0: NBA something. A
1: okay, whatever. It was one of those games. So that's when NBA Jam, NBA Live was the, was the more popular basketball game back then. We were playing like that. That 2K that had like to do franchise. We would just sit there all day playing that, that two on two. That two on two boat. I was like Miami Heat, you or somebody else, we would just keep score all and I, day. I came for like hours and then all day. <laughs> order order food, go get it, come back, and just keep playing the video game like all day, every day.
0: Right. All day, every day. We'll be on that thing for hours. Do a little work, do a little work to come back. in the week. Yeah. Hey, what you got going on? You try to get on the sticks? Right. Yeah. <laughs> try to get on the game.
1: I got a class today. Uh, it's just it's just recitation or whatever. Right. Called. Like, uh, I'm not going to that. Man. Let's keep let's keep going. Okay, man. let's
0: keep the party going. <laughs> hey, 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 you got you got it. Before we move on, you got to tell the story. Uh, so throwing the same lines of throwing a party, we threw a really cool party uh, yeah. on the on a waterfront. Yeah. Share the Circus City story. First, of all, like
1: I'm telling you, man. Looking back on it, we were like. We were truly pioneers of like all the stuff we were doing because the waterfront for everybody who's still in Pittsburgh is the Homestead waterfront. So that was like a newly developed area. and Sean had an apartment there.
0: Shout this out to my there. mom. <laughs> our,
1: your senior, this was my, your yeah, our fifth year. So you were still playing. I think I was done playing.
0: Yeah, you were in grad school.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he had an apartment over there, but in the apartment complex they had um, like a, a space that you could rent out. The clubhouse. It was nice. Nice big lounge, um, two levels, full tables, everything. So um I had gone to this, my cousin, uh, shout out to my cousin John. We had gone to this um this little festival called Carabana up in Toronto, and the first time I went, um, I wanted to get a camcorder. So he put me onto this little this little wrinkle where hey, you can go to Circuit City, buy whatever you're buying, and they have like a no questions asked return policy, full refund. So I, that year before, I had gone to Carabana, got my camcorder, Circus City, recorded my whole trip, and then took it back, got my money back. <laughs> so fast forward to this party we're throwing, like, you take a look, I'm like, man, our little speakers aren't going to work. This right. in this space. We need, we need more speakers. I said, I got it, man. Circus City. So I went and got these, I don't know, these big, giant speakers from Circus City. They were huge. I got clock, yeah amplifier, CD player, like everything had this thing booming. We had the party. That's whenever, um, wasn't that in the 50 Cent in a club? I was going to bring that up.
0: Right. So we set up like the playlist. We had everything down. And
1: then um, we had the party. Everything went well. Like, I don't know how many people we had there. At least 100 plus people. That yeah, order.
0: that was deep. That was nice.
1: And so um, then the next day, you know, I wrapped everything back up. Took it back to Circus. Center. Right. So, yeah the sound quality just, just was really what I was expecting. <laughs> really wasn't what I was expecting.
0: Right. That's probably that's part of the reason why circus city is no longer around. Those type of policies. <laughs> hey, I not it's not my policy, man. So hey, you know, <laughs> hey,
1: it's not my fault. It's
0: not my fault. Hey <laughs> so talk a little bit about your transition uh from uh from pit. So I know you got into the sales industry. Talk about your professional career and then where you are now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so like I mentioned I went into finance and um you know I had um Shout-out to Rod Humphrey, man. Um, my God. You know, one of my – It paired with him as a tutor for one of my classes, uh, maybe junior year or so. And Rod Humphrey, for all y'all who don't know, he, was, um, he graduated the year before we came in, uh, at least football-wise anyway. He was done the year before we came in in, what, 98? So he'd have been done in 97,
0: 97 I guess. Right.
1: Um, a real good guy, man. Real good head on his shoulders. And so he, he, they matched me up with, with – um, with me through the tutoring program at Pitt with one of my, one of my classes. Um, so I got I started talking with Rod. And um, he had, you know, learned that I was doing finance. He knew a, a person who was a financial um, manager, like a personal finance manager at Merrill Lynch downtown. Uh, shout out to Elise Yanders. Um, wow, I haven't in a while. And so he had put me on and just said, hey, you know, internships, you got to get some experience. Let me, I know somebody who does finance, so let me link you up with her and see if you can get an internship. So he made the connection. and I got an internship down at Mary Lynch doing, um, you know, wealth management, basically. So at least had a, a book of clients. I was doing basic work, but I got exposure to, like, the corporate world. And then um, my, my next year, I went to go get an internship for myself. It was, um, it was a, a, a coach, uh, not a coach, it was a volleyball player. I forget her first name, but her last name was uh, Lass- Lassiere. And then her dad was Tony uh, Lassanera, and he had a um, um, basically like a venture capital uh, firm downtown Pittsburgh. And so I don't even remember how that one got started, but somehow I made the connection and I got it from there. So a small company doing venture capital. So I was learning, you know, fly on the wall with them. And um, so I, I got those two bullets in my resume. and That's what kind of helped me get into my financial career. But um, so shout out to anybody looking for internships. Definitely don't underestimate that time. Um, and I was doing it while I was, you know, playing the one year in the summertime, I was with the Elyse. The next year I was done playing football. I would go to my classes and then, you know, worked up my schedule to where I'd go down and do the venture capital internship. But that was just a rewarding experience, man. So at least when I'm leaving college, I already got two things I can at least put on my resume right. versus just my, my fundamental schoolwork. So I think, I think that was a good opportunity. Um, and after I graduated, I worked at a little bank in Pittsburgh, uh, Dollar Bank, uh, for a little while, for about a year and a half or so um and then i ended up moving to dc and then when i got to dc i, I got a job working at uh, freddie mac um on the uh, basically the trading desk i uh, helping them out with their analytics and their, that's what kind of jump started my career man a bit of uh, just luck um but i shout out to rod humphrey man for kind of opening the door and basically giving me those opportunities so you know you guys got to pay it forward man you never know um when somebody might be a blessing to you so you definitely just got to take advice and deal for different scenes. stuff.
0: That's great advice. That's really good advice. So now you are in San Antonio, Texas. So are you a Spurs fan yet? Are you rooting for the Spurs yet?
1: Uh, you know what? Ironically, I always liked the. I never had a favorite basketball team, really. But I always liked the Spurs ever since they got at least Tim Duncan because just the way they played, it, it was, you had stars on the team, but nobody was kind of like a superstar. Like, you know, Even I guess, well, technically they were superstars, but they played that at team concept. So, you know, Greg Popovich, no matter how big you were, you played a role on that team. I just always liked the way they, they kept everybody involved, and it wasn't, you know, this kind of isolation game. And so I just always liked the Spurs. Um, of course, they were very successful with the way they did things. But, um, yeah, I always did like the Spurs. But um, How about that? Uh, yeah, so coming here, wasn't like, oh, I'm some, you know, the arch nemesis, fan of Houston or something, then I'm coming to Spurs country. So, yeah, man, um, Spurs is definitely big here. It's the only professional sports. team.
0: And San Antonio doesn't have a football team, so you don't have to worry about that because – you are, uh, you are, you love your Pittsburgh Steelers now.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you do see a lot. Of, so San Antonio is a big military town, so a lot of military presence. So you do see quite a bit of Steelers paraphernalia, like around on bars and stuff. Um, but yeah, here is Cowboy Town, but Steelers and Cowboys aren't really a rivalry, except when we play in the Super Bowl. So it's not like a big deal. I think we both have a mutual respect for those uh, franchises, both are winners, so it's been no, no issues. you always, like I said, you always find some Steelers fans everywhere you go. Everywhere. So, see,
0: everywhere. so why San Antonio? What brought to you to San Antonio?
1: Um, honestly, man, so I was working at Freddie Mac. I've been there for about 12 years. I worked my way up. And um, somebody must have given my number to a headhunter, uh, to be honest with you. So a headhunter, for anybody who doesn't know, um, it's just somebody who's basically paid to find you a job. So if, if you get placed, they get like a percentage of that company, percentage of your first year salary.
0: So like a recruiter, yep.
1: yeah. So this head recruiter, so this headhunter would always keep in touch with me uh, from time to time, and you know a lot of the financial jobs are in New York, and so I was getting married at the time. New York really wasn't going to be a, a good look because you know we're going to some small one bedroom, you know apartment that's very expensive in New York. That's the New York, York lifestyle. Money. Area, have a family that really wasn't a good look unless the numbers worked out so i always kept in touch with her she'd keep in touch with me and then she called me one day with some opportunities and said hey you know i know you're from pittsburgh um there's an opportunity at pnc um there was something at sun down in atlanta and then this other thing at uh, usa in san antonio um, and so once i got the job descriptions i looked at usa um said man that's pretty much what i do now it's a good opportunity to kind of diversify what I've been doing. It's, it's, it's the same, but a little bit different. And so it was a job opportunity that brought me here. So the headhunter, you know, God kind of placed it in my lap, man. It's been a it's been a great move uh, for both me, fresh professionally, uh, career wise, and for my family.
0: How are you adjusting to the weather?
1: It's hot, man. I mean, um, <laughs> I think when I first came, um, let's see, I got here in like mid May of 2017, I think, um, and I started the job end of May. I think from mid-May until got to be like mid-September, um, the high didn't go below 90 like any of those days. Oof. So <laughs> you look at almost like, what, four months? The high was something above 90, like consecutively for like four months straight. Um, so that was definitely an adjustment coming from, it's spurred than D.C. D.C., right. Um, it's a little warm too in the summers, um, just not as consistently, and you get a little bit more humidity there. Uh, but san antonio as they say it's that dry heat so it's not a lot of humidity here but you definitely do feel the heat when you step outside of your car uh going from a 72 uh degree air-conditioned car and step outside and you just feel like you're going up but um, it's good for, it's good in other ways if so you need to swim a lot longer than you do
0: back <laughs> <each
1: coast>. so <laughs> that's true that's true
0: awesome awesome and so you have been a great brother friend resource and particularly with the finance management because uh, oftentimes you said it before you know uh, people are left on their own to find out how to manage finance finances uh oftentimes you know it's not being taught it's not in school like how do you find out it's almost sometimes it's trial and error and so i thank you for for being a a resource there and that we be able to have those type of conversations because iron sharpen iron and so during this time of uh, this pandemic uh, quarantine, millions and millions of people are, are losing uh, th- their jobs and their financial situations are, are getting worse. What advice or what suggestion do you have as it relates to financial management during this time and even moving forward if for some reason unforeseen reason we find ourselves this as to go worse or we find ourselves in this situation again?
1: Yeah, sure. And um, you know I'm not a financial advisor. I, my, my profession is in, in credit risk and managing, like, uh, fixed incomes of bonds. Um, but I, through my uh, my education and just through experience, that's how I kind of got to the personal finance side and just kind of how I take care of my own business. Um, got to
0: put that disclaimer and- out. All right, so, yeah, he, he, this, this is his personal <laughs> opinion, yeah. but it's, 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 it's valuable stuff. But go ahead, bro.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think um, one of the most important things is that, unfortunately, you know, we see in this time is, um, you know, in, in financial world, we call it capital, but in personal finance, savings. So how much savings do you have so that you can weather a storm, right? So if you lose a job, do you have two weeks saved up? If so, two weeks, you better hope you find a job pretty quick, right? So do you have six months to a year is what, you know, not just me, but a lot of personal finance experts would recommend because, you know, you've got to find a job. How long could that take? Who knows, right? So... What are your bills that's one thing you have adequate savings so look at how much you're spending and add it up and say look multiply it by six and look at your bank account and see do i have that saved up already like and i don't mean saved up as in like you have a use for it. like you're gonna go buy a new car with that money i mean this is money that that's earmarked just for emergency savings so i mean that, that's one um i say the other one is going to be um your spending so once you add up that money lot of us you know we spend and nowadays we have cards right so you don't really you don't really feel the money that you spend you know you might have online so you go amazon and boxes just show up and you don't really Mm -hmm. think about it so look at look at what are you spending you know there's a lot of apps out there you can use excel if you want to get the old school with it but add up look at your bank account statement and download the transactions and see i didn't realize i'm spending six hundred and twenty eight dollars a month on eating out right is that really where i want to be is that good is that too little, too much, whatever, but just become aware of where your money's going. Because I think there's a lot that you learn from that. And you realize, like, man, there's a lot of things. I didn't realize I was spending this much. And do I wanna make a lifestyle change in order to support something else that I want? So that's two things. i say the third thing, man, is gonna be just your what are you investing your money in? So if you're blessed to have a job that has a 401k program, you know, generally your employer will have a match. So you might get a, a 3% match, 8% match, whatever that is. but Start that off as soon as you graduate high school as soon as you graduate college start your first job because the money will just compound over time so definitely participate in that Um, other stuff once you max out like your 401k and you're looking at like you know hey do you have uh, an IRA I think the limit now is about $6,000 for one person I think is the the federal limit Um, so invest your money there that's that's like a free $6,000 that you don't have to pay tax on basically so look at a traditional IRA or Roth IRA. Um, other things I look at, man. Fortunately, due to coronavirus, you know, um, families are losing loved ones, man. And so, you know, um, somebody might be the breadwinner, um, you know, and unfortunately, you, you pass away due to coronavirus. And life happens; it's not even just coronavirus. It's an accident. It may just be an unexpected health scare, whatever it may be. But how's your family gonna gonna provide for themselves if you're the main breadwinner? So, like things like life insurance, man. Right. So. Um, you know, call around to some insurance companies, uh, find out how much coverage you need, look at your expenses, you know, and say, hey, okay, do I have, how many kids do I have? Do I want them to go to college? All those sort of things so that you can be better prepared if something should happen. How could you have some insurance there so that your, your loved ones can continue on and still be able to make it? And all their life goals can still be achieved and not be suffered because, you know, unfortunately, you know, mom or dad have passed away. So definitely look at life insurance. Um, talk to any lawyer. I'm no lawyer. But there's a lot of paperwork out there. So life insurance, um, get your wills done, um, get your power of attorney done. If you can't make decisions for yourself, you know who do you trust is going to make those decisions for you. Same thing with healthcare. You know, a lot of families have issues, man. When somebody's uh, near the end, and you know, your mom doesn't agree with what your wife, you know, uh, said that you want, and whatever, write it down. Write it down so that there's no bickering and everybody can have peace at that time because. A lot of, too much stuff is already happening. you know, you don't want to be dealing with putting your loved one in a situation where they got to take care of your, find out where your documentation is. Do we have insurance? Do we not have insurance? Well, where's, where's this person's accounts? Like, I've seen that happen, you know, a few times with, with family members, and you just don't want to, you, be responsible, man. Just take right. care of your stuff now, and it'll just be, set your, set your family up for a much better path going forward.
0: Awesome. That's valuable information. I mean, you talk about more than an athlete. I mean, thank you for for that information. And again, you know, iron sharpen iron and making sure that we hold each other accountable, uh, especially as it relates to the uh, financial uh, space. And so with that, speaking of more than an athlete, the mission of Orange Arrow being coaching student athletes to aim for success off the field. You've been a supporter. You are a donor. Why is the work that we do important? I think it's
1: important, man. For one, just reaching out to the youth. Like you never know. What impact you have on someone. And so I remember, um, you know, there's these little moments in life where you just, like I said, Rod Humphrey, he was just paying it forward, man, spending time with me, not just in the tutoring, but outside of that saying, hey, you know, what about these sort of ideas? Or, you know, there's some things you might want to look into as you proceed with your career. Um, but you never know what these kids might, might resonate with, man. Just seeing somebody who's been kind of where they've been. Um, you know hopefully you can play this back 20 years from now and you'll see these success stories come out of that time but it's one thing I think a lot of us do is um, you know the money is the money so if you're blessed to have it you know you kind of donate to these, these funds but um, you can never sort of replace money with the time function you need some some soldiers on the ground so to speak kind of putting in that time and the face time to, to coach and to, to nurture these kids because you know often man unfortunately we turn on the news and we see too much bad news on the news right it's like you know, turn off the first 20 minutes of the 30-minute news. Watch the last 10 if you, if you want to hear good news, right? Because right. it's always the bad part. So how do we how do we start to change that narrative in our own communities that we live? In, right? There's things like Orangero where it's, you know, hey, whatever your talent is, what resonates with you, how can you parlay that into connecting with other youth? Right? Sports is a, it's a great avenue, right? A lot of kids love sports. They watch it. They idolize the players. And so even talking to people like us, man, who – Ooh, maybe we didn't reach this, this Peyton Manning, Ray Lewis kind of stature, but it's like, hey, I've been there. Hey, I've been on TV. Yeah, I got these scholarships, and here I am in front of you. You know, what do you need to talk about? I can. I'm a single parent household, man. Maybe I can relate to your story. But I think it's just a good thing, man. You n- you never know what seems you might plan. Where somebody was on the wrong track because they engaged with Orangero, um, you know, Sean Rob and his coaches. They spent time. You never know what impact that may have. So it's always just about sowing that seed, man, and letting the kids let the seeds fall where it may. But you got to go out there and sew You got to put in that work and water. So I appreciate all the work from gerald been doing over the years for sure.
0: And thank you for your continued support. Beat up! Thank you for your time, bro. Appreciate yeah. you, man. No doubt. We'll be in touch. Take care, man. All right, man. All right, Good boss. Hell to pit. Peace.